Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. Podcast at gmail.com is our email address. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and on our website, flowtrack.org slash Podcasts. Gordon, another day of real but also hypothetical cross-country rankings. You just did that intro at like 1.5 speed. Mm-hmm. You were quick doing that intro. You, where, where, <laughs> what do you got to go? Where, what's going on? Oh, nowhere. I just want to get to the rankings. I listened to you and Lincoln do the pod yesterday. He clearly didn't listen to our pod because he's like, explain how you did the rankings. It's like we did that the other day. Lincoln, listen to the actual podcast that you're a part of. Uh, You guys argued about a runner in the top 10 that I had literally never heard of. And I thought (laughs) that was that was great. That was great content. I actually thought you made some good points. I was on your side on on that one i think i was on lincoln's side in terms of the order of the nc state runners though so score one another one for lincoln but overall give you the decision because again you actually listen to the podcast that you do uh well you're on the podcast that you did so uh that's that's bonus points for you but we're talking men's teams today how you feeling feeling good getting ready to go uh yeah this uh ncaa championship is looking like it's gonna be a great one right what are your thoughts? It's going to be a great uh, championship that happens in our minds. Yeah. I was doing the same thing yesterday that I did during the pod, and you guys caught yourself doing it too, where you're talking about, man, but NC State, they're relying on a lot of freshmen. Are they going to be able to pull it off? I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. And what's weird is we could, you could have everybody come back, be it in the spring or be it next fall, and you could have the identical setup in terms of just personnel people it's not going to happen because some people are going to go pro some people aren't going to run anymore whatever but what you definitely can't recreate is the feeling of being in college for the first time and having to compete in that first semester and with so many marquee freshmen this year that's definitely a storyline that's going to be lost whenever the championship is even if it's just in the spring it's a whole different ball game than your first your first semester um being in college and competing yeah i agree it's like weird. They'll, like they'll still be freshmen, but they'll be redshirt freshmen, and it's just like, mm-hmm. eh. and technically they wouldn't yeah. be called redshirt freshmen because this uh, year off is not considered a redshirt year. It's just considered a COVID. they'll be COVID freshmen. There'll be a new type of yeah. You have redshirt freshmen, freshmen, and COVID freshmen. That's what we'll have. We'll have the the you'll yeah. end up having what the seventh year COVID senior. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. End up being like so. Yeah, you won't dive into these. COVID shirt, yeah. You want to dive into these rankings, man? 
Yeah, let's do it. Again, these are done by you and you alone. So any problems that people have with them should send you an email. I'll release your email address at the end of the show along with your cell phone number so that way people can get in in touch. But we'll go 25 down to one. Now, tomorrow we do the women's. It's going to be me and Lincoln. So we're both going to be talking about rankings that we didn't do. So that'll be that'll be a fun one. Uh, but I've seen Lincoln's just going to dunk on them. That's what's going to happen. He's going to be like, oh, this is stupid. This is wrong. This is wrong. Let's call up Gordon. Let's get his take. I looked at them. I, there's not much to object to in the women's rankings. I'll just say that. But we'll do men's today. Men's at 25 uh, down to 21. We'll start with this group. So coming into that 25 slot, Villanova, then Alabama, 24, Texas, 23, Furman, 22, and Indiana, 21. So, yeah. Basically, Texas, Alabama, and Villanova, they all finish. They're all ranked in the same area where they finished last year. Texas was 25th, Alabama was 24th, Nova was 23rd. So we kind of just like flip flop them a bit. Indiana and Furman kind of drop a bit. That's mainly because they lose a lot of their star, like a lot of their, not star, but like better runners, you know, so they're not as deep. So they had to kind of drop down a bit. But, uh, yeah, one team I'm interested in is Alabama. They're 24th. Uh, they're going to have a redshirt freshman coming in named Iliad Kipsang, who I have projected finishing 26th overall. He uh, was supposed to run last year with the Kiprop and Keegan duo, and they would have been have a great mm -hmm. trio. But eligibility got in the way of, I'm not sure what it was, but he wasn't able to compete, so he had a redshirt all year long. But apparently, according to the coach, he was training up with Kiprop and Keegan all season long. So if he's basically at the level of what Kiprop and Keegan were, that's good news for them because that means they have another young guy who can come in and kind of be the the workhorse for the next three to four years. I have one question on Texas. Kieran Tuntavate, does he have cross eligibility or no. is he just using outdoor? Okay, so he is not factored in here. Okay. Yeah, for Texas, uh, the roster we have, I have Worley coming back. I mean, most likely Worley is not going to run, though. Even No one's running but because <laughs> Worley's still coming off the injury. But in a world yeah. where not only there's a season, but Worley is healthy, I had Worley in there. Graydon Morris, who's a good freshman coming in. Uh, and then Creighton Carroza, who uh, I think ran sub four as a freshman last year. So that would be like their top three. Um, they still don't have like another like strong distance guy like a like an Alex Rogers or John Rice. So they're still relying purely on Milers and Worley and Carroza. But hey, you can get top twenty five here. Mm -hmm. Worley ran great last year in cross. Yeah, and then I had yeah. that unfortunate injury during the meet in the indoor season. But he'll have more time to recover now. Let's go into the top twenty, starting with. Number 20, Oklahoma State. They would host this hypothetical meet at 20. They didn't make the meet in 2019. Wisconsin at 19. Harvard, 18. Ole Miss, 17. And Purdue in 16th. Yeah, so Oklahoma State obviously did not make the meet, mainly because Isai Rodriguez uh, was injured. Now their team, I mean, Coach is confident on their team, but they don't really have many guys who have really proven themselves outside of Isai. I mean, they're really only having to score four because we know 
he said he's going to be a top five guy. But a lot of their roster is just younger people or people who are unproven. Like they're going to have two freshmen, Ryan Shop and Jonas Price. So we'll see what they do. But like Bryce Quigley, Alec Haynes, none of them have really done much. I mean, they qualified for the meet two years ago, but they all finished like in the 200s or 150s, whatever. So I don't know. I put them in there mainly because they're hosting the meet that doesn't exist. And if you're hosting the meet, you're going to get your team in there. And if you have a stick as low as Isai, you should be able to be top 20. That's why they got there. Okay. So they get the boost for running, having the meet at home, even though there is no meet. Yeah. Interesting. And also, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're going through these 25 through 16. It really, there is no order that will ever be correct because it literally doesn't matter. Like, the only order that, like, actually proves, like, better to worse is, like, one through maybe seven or eight. But, like, not, like, you could argue, like, nine to 15 is just, like, the second tier. And then there's everyone else. Everyone who finishes in the 16 to 31 range, it's just you're throwing a bunch of names in a bag, shaking it up, and pulling it out. It's not like yeah. the 16th team and the 17th team, the difference between them is literally nothing. It's just luck. It's just they're, they're the same team. So that's why it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. To, weird, not fun, but weird to rank these uh, third tier teams because it's like there really is no reason to rhyme. It's just like kind of luck. It's shaking it up. I don't know. Do you see any well, and then you take- thoughts on these teams? Well- well, I see your point, though, because then if you do throw into that equation someone like Rodriguez, who you know can get top five, then that's enough because a lot of these other teams don't have – okay, they for sure are going to have somebody in the top five, which would separate them. doesn't matter if they haven't figured out the next four. At least they have that one, and then they can yeah. build around that and get get a low enough team score. No, I see it. I mean, the, just some of these teams, they could end up not making the meet. And then some of them could yeah. finish 10th. There's a huge variability there between, I think you could extend it even out into, you know, if you ranked all the way into the 30s and 40s, you could say, well, some of these teams that are 40th ranked could end up getting on the, t- getting, uh, going to this hypothetical meet. Now, the chance of a team preseason ranked 40 getting on the podium, that's an t- entirely different story. But getting yeah. the meet, you could do it. And if you're in the meet, you, every team can finish 16th. It's just luck. Mm-hmm. If you, I think 16th yeah. to 31 is just shake it up and throw it, in, throw it in the bag because the difference between someone who go on that day and run and finish 70th to 140th is not really much different because it's all like, I mean, you see like amazing runners finish 140th and then average runners finish 70th. 70th and you're like, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Oh, one just had a good day. The conditions kind of... Ch- messed it up the footing you know so it's kind of weird like the the order of the second half of teams is kind of really arbitrary all year yeah. long even when it happens you're like oh, all right you know okay cool you really only care about who finishes top four or even top 10 in a way so oh, not, not to me, like I'm shit a, on i'm a i'm a one through 31 type of guy yeah okay yeah, I was like, why do we even do a top 25? Like, there really is no reason to rank anyone outside the top 10 because it's like, it should, ranking should just be pick who you think will be the 10 best teams and then order them. And then every week you decide to remove someone from the top 10. But like changing 
going from 19th to 17th in a weekly ranking is just like stupid. It's like it means nothing. Let's be honest. Wow. Sorry, I don't okay, mean to go into this mini rant. Author, this is what I just author of the rankings. <laughs> I just learned this because like I've been doing these ranking stuff now for like four or five years, and you just notice that like it really doesn't matter, man. Like it's just like it is just shake it up and shuffle up and deal, right? Um, I mean, the mm-hmm. way I order these these all the teams, I mean, is a lot of times I I come up with the individual ranking from like one all the way to 255 um and i a lot of times i i score it with just like i score it with only your top three i score it with your top four and i score it with your top five right and so i kind of see like the depth right so because a lot of times my place that i put your four or five man is really kind of arbitrary right because i can't really pinpoint where your four or five man are finished but your top three a lot more kind of known known commodities so a lot of times i kind of sort it like okay here's where the 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 best groups of three are here's where the best groups of four are and here are the best groups of five runners and i kind of use that as my gauge to kind of get groups like all right these are podium contenders these are top 10 teams these are the teens and then this is everyone else so yeah long-winded way to talk about the 20th to 16th ranked teams yeah, but it's true. There's so many people who cross the line within 10 seconds of each other in this meet that it can skew the results dramatically if someone's off yeah. by just just a little bit. And now let's jump into that top 15. You have Washington, the Huskies at 15th. They were 19th last year. NC State, you have them moving up from 26th to 14th. Syracuse moving up from 27th to 13th. Michigan, they were 7th last year. You have them in 12th. And Iona, they were 12th last year. You have them 11th. So you have some big movers here in Syracuse and NC State, Gordon. Yeah, NC State's a mover mainly because they just had a bad day, I think, last year. Um, Like Joe Brissett and Edwin Rudo, they were a lot better in 2018. I have them scoring higher here in 2019. Uh, On Syracuse end, um, they... They had, they, I mean, they add in, uh, I think he's from William Mary, JP Trojan, who's like a top 60 type guy or top 40 type guy. Um, Joe Dragon had a good uh, track season. He's one, one of their top three guys. So I think a lot of, and then, you know, Aiden Tooker, he didn't run well last year or even at all. I'm not sure if he ran at all last year. Maybe he did, but he was better in 2018 than he was in 2019. So, a lot of the Syracuse and NC State moving up is mainly because they just had bad days last year, and but they sh- still return a bunch of guys that should hopefully bump them in the teens, you know. Mm. So that's for and- that. Washington, Washington, hey man, there used to be a time when we're like Washington, watch out, podium threat after they finished seventh in the first year under Andy Powell. But after last year when we thought they had a good team, now look at the team again this year. It's kind of like. It looks like Andy is going back to the Oregon days where it's like, hey, we're a mid-distance school. We're going to have some great milers, some great 3K runners. And he is getting some great milers. I mean, look at his recruiting uh, mm-hmm. and some of the results that the milers have done on the track. So I just don't believe in the Washington cross-country program yet. Mm-hmm. Going back to Syracuse for a second, they may only be ranked – 
13th, but in terms of the name championship with JP Trojan and Joe Dragon as your two oh, low yeah. sticks for best names in the NCAA, you're on the podium. You're on the podium. Yep. Yeah, Wash- Washington, we thought Washington was going to redshirt people last year to prep for this year, which in retrospect, a good decision that they probably didn't do that, but but they didn't end up, they didn't end up doing that, but they still didn't run well um at, at the end of the season so i don't know I, I don't know what to think i mean they had some good distance guys there i mean they had jordan they had tibbo proctor um active last year running it just didn't materialize maybe you're yeah. right maybe it's a shift in it shift in priorities and they're certainly bringing in some some great high school runners who are yeah i mean like sam tanner i mean he's a great miler but he's not really good yeah. in the cross and then leo doshbach and cruz culpepper the two incoming freshmen you don't expect them to be Nico Young type talents coming in. Even though Doshbach broke four, he's looked at very differently than someone who can run like a sub 14 5K. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, speaking of name, who do you have in their, name who champions do you have in their projected there too. They also five. have a, what's that? For Washington, who do you have as their projected top five? I'm just curious. So, they're, they're non Thibaut Pro- projection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tibio, is it Tibio or Tibo? Tibbo. 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 Tibbo Proctor. I think the coach calls him Tibbs. Tibbs. Tibbs Proctor. I have him finishing 40th. Jack Ro- Okay, this is like 40th among teams that are scoring, right? I have him scoring okay. 40 points. Jack Rowe, a senior. Talon Hall. Alex Slenning. Isaac Green. And then Leo Dashbach. And then Cruz I Cole mean, without that. I mean, that top three could be good. Like, Proctor yeah. finished, I mean, has the potential for much higher. Rowe has the potential for much higher. And then Talon Hull has put out some some good performances in his career, too. So that could be that could be a better team or could have been a better team than, than what's listed here. Yeah, but I still think their ceiling is like 10th or 8th or something like that. Sure. I don't see them sure, sure. really creeping into the top six. So... Mm-hmm. But yeah. Shall we move into the top then, ten? Yeah, and then uh, what else? We also Michigan is, was seventh last year. I'm twelfth this year. Uh, I mean, I feel like their seventh place was kind of like fluke in a way. I don't know why it just felt that way. Um, but they returned a couple guys well, from that team. But what were you gonna say? I think the reason. Well, I don't think I, I don't think fluke is the right word. But they were a very unheralded squad because they're they were a team who had this insanely small one through five gap. And I think sometimes we don't recognize if a t- if a team doesn't have an individual within that individual race or even an individual that's like yeah. a top a top fifteen runner or even like, hey, this person could win the Big Ten championship. They may not be a factor for an NCAA title, but they had a lot of guys who were not high profile, but their pack was just so tight. So they were a they were a solid team one through one through five there when it came to to Terre Haute. So. I mean, if they continue to kind of run that run that sort of model back of not having a superstar, but having just that balance, I think we could see it. We could see that sort of thing happen again. Now, that's tough if you're trying to get on the the podium, but getting in the top ten, it's just it's it's those teams fly under the radar all the time because you don't have a name or a, two names attached to them. Check this out: the Michigan squad. Speaking of name game, and the, their top uh, Devin Meyer is a number one guy, but they're. Two, three, four, five guys. They all start with the letter J, 
but here, check out this name. You have Jacob Branch, Jacob Lee, Jack Aho, and Juiced Plantic. Plantic? His name is Juiced. J-O-O-S-T. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Iona, actually, I think is also a, a sneakily good team. I have them ranked 11th. They finished 12th last year. But Iona every year has like, oh, maybe it's Iona's year. I remember those before I worked at Flow, they had like one year where they had like a bunch of individuals that are good. I mean, what's like the the like the Mitch Goose years? Remember those years? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah. John Jack John Jack Millar, who was good last year, was a trans. He was a international transfer junior, and I was a senior. But they have Jack O'Leary, Ehab Illa, El Sandali. So they have a good one, two, three. Like they're one, two, three. I have them all ranked in the top forty. So they're gonna put. They're potentially gonna have three All Americans, and then mm-hmm. if they can find two other guys, I think they can. I mean, Jamie D, who's like a younger brother from Liam D, who was pretty good a few years ago, and then Jack Hopkins or Ed Goddard, who both guys maybe if they put together a good race, they can get up there. But Iona, I think, is a sneakily good team as well, even though I have them ranked eleventh here. Mm-hmm. Let's go top ten to let's go ten to six here. Stanford at ten. You have Colorado at nine, Oregon at eight, Tulsa at seven, and Portland at six. So some traditional powers mixed in there with the upstart from Tulsa. Yeah, Colorado got in there to ninth. I wanted to rank them lower, to be honest. I mean, like worse, but I just couldn't because it's Colorado and they finished third last year, but they do lose a uh, pretty low stick in Joe Klecker. And if you look at the Colorado teams returning, um, I mean, this is their returning squad is Alec Hornecker, who did have a good race, give him a credit, but he's not like the the star, the star that like a Klecker was. And then Eduardo Herrera, who's kind of just a solid top 50 guy. They have the Mississippi State transfer, Stephen Jones, and then a bunch of younger guys like Kayshawn Harrison, Jace Ashbrenner. But they don't really have like a name brand up front. So that's why they're kind of dropped down to the bottom half of the top 10. Remember Kayshawn Harrison, how good he was all year. He did not have a great race at NCAA. So I think he could be a potential top 25 guy for sure. Yeah. Um, if you if you want to just – there's got to be a name for, for people who like were good all year but then didn't have a good – championship but because it's cross country we put everything on the championship and we forget all about it's not like yeah. track where you can say it's not like track where you can say oh you know she ran she ran 410 in the 1500 she had a bad race in Blaze, but she at least left that season with like a great pr 410 what are you going to say for like cross country uh yeah they uh got 18th at nuttycomb but you know like, you don't have anything to hang your hat on in, yeah. in cross if you don't if you don't run well in the big in the, in the big race, so Harrison was one of those guys. I think he could be better uh, than than his ranking. I don't know what you have him in his ranking, but I think he could be better. Maybe that would pull Colorado up a bit. But I agree, it's hard to it's hard to fill the shoes um, that were left by by those seniors. Yeah, and then uh, Tulsa, they're kind of an interesting one. I didn't know they actually would be ranked higher if I knew about the eligibility status of one of the runners. That's why mm-hmm. it kind of take, sometimes it's hard to make these rankings because you're not sure um, about some of the runners. So like Cameron Field, he's listed as a senior last year, but a lot of times these international people are seniors for like two to three years, right? Uh, so I didn't know if sure. he's part of 
that group if he's going to be a returner. Because if he was, he'd be the number three guy, and that bumps them up massively. I mean, they probably would be, what, like 100 points better if you add him into the lineup. So that would bump Tulsa maybe potentially into podium contention if Cameron Field returns. Uh, Oregon, also kind of an interesting one. I didn't know if James West was going to return. Uh, he's also like a 30-year senior, right? He's more of a miler, and he kind of has like a weird situation where like now that there's no really like Pac-12 cross-country, like he's like in a weird situation. Like what is what does Oregon have for me now, right? Like there, if there's no NCAA competition, I should maybe stay over in Europe and try to get a pro contract because he's like a guy who could get a pro contract trying to qualify for the Olympics at the British trials. So James West and Cameron Field are two people I wasn't sure to, whether or not to add to the team. And if you add James West to Oregon's squad, that makes them a much better, you know, behind Cooper Tier and Jackson Messler. Mm-hmm. And then you had Portland at six. They were 10th last year. They're always there. What would their top so, five have looked like? So Portland, their entire top four is all based off of newcomers or athletes who had a great track season. So their number one stick would be Stan Neeston, who is a newcomer, who is like a 1345K runner. Then you have Ever- mm-hmm. Everett Silva, who ran a good 5K indoors, who ran 1347 indoors. Then you have Jacob Clems, who's a transfer from a D2 program, who ran uh, 13.52. Then you have Matt Strangio, who's that true freshman, who almost broke four on his own in the middle of a pandemic. And then you have the rest of their typical squad. You have Riley Osin, Ruben Kiprono. Uh, but yeah, they're kind of ranked high because off the backs of Neeston, Silva, Clems, and Strangio. So it's kind of a new-look Portland team based off of these three newcomers are Neeston, Clems, and Strangio. So, okay. And that's not even including – there's another guy uh, who was a freshman last year. Oh, what's his name? This is killing me. Find it. Uh, Rob Connor's name? listening. Make sure you figure out. Hurry up. Hurry up. Ah, he's going to turn it off. Me. He's going to turn it off. His name Go is the Justin Hazel. Justin Hazel is also an interesting wild card potential. I mean, he ran a sub eight, three K. He ran 759 last year as a freshman. Uh, yeah. So Justin Hazel, he's also in the other person to keep an eye on. So okay. Portland, I think is going to be good. Done are the days of counting out Portland done. No more. Flowcheck will never count out Portland in the history of the time that me and Lincoln are still here. So who's counted out Portland. You guys count out Portland before? Well, a couple times Lincoln has said some side comments of like, oh, Portland, they're really good at getting seventh because they got like seventh two years in a row. And then that year they got, they made the post. He said it like three or three or four years ago. And then after that moment, that's when Portland went on like their mini run of like making a bunch of podiums. You know, that's when they got, they got podium with just five guys. And then that was, then the next year, two years later, they got second. And then the next year yeah. they got third. It was Lincoln, man, sparking that plug. You know, like with the uh, like under 
undervaluing Portland. But now I, I see the value, yeah. man. They got some good transfers coming in. The D2 kid, the international kid, and then a good uh, true freshman. That's a good three to bring in to a team that finished 10th last year. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's go into the top five. We'll do these one by one. Uh, number five, Iowa State, who would be led hypothetically by that JUCO transfer Wesley Bangura, who you had ranked six. You have Iowa State staying in the top five. They were fourth last year. Of course, they were buoyed by Edwin Kurgat's individual title, who is, and he's no longer there. So Bangura goes in there, and at most he scores five more points than Kurgat. So that's not a bad. That's not a bad swap if he runs to his ranking. Oh, yeah. And then they have Chad Johnson, Mitchell Day, Milo Greeter, and Thomas Pollard, uh, David Tu as well, who had a, a bad race, but should be back and is better than. I mean, David Tu was like the late, late transfer last year, uh, didn't really put together, but David Tu could be a top 50 guy. I mean, he finished in the hundreds last year, but I think he'll probably be a top 50 guy. But yeah. It's all. I mean, they finished in the podium. They, they they broke that barrier of being a podium team after yeah. years of feeling they had the bodies and this. After Andrew Jordan, tra- it's kind of crazy. The year they podium is the year like one of their top guys transfers away with Andrew Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of funny, uh, but yeah, I think Wesley Bengura is going to be a big difference maker, and I think he slides in to replace what Kerr got left, and I think they're going to be pretty good. You just talked about Iowa State for about a minute without mentioning your favorite runner in NCAA history. Was that hard? Oh yeah. Oh wait, he is back. I. You know what? I, I've given up on. I don't know if he is. I don't know if he is. He may not he be. Is. But you still should mention him. I think he is. I. Festus Legat, my the, the, the my 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 favorite NCAA runner of this era. Uh, I every year I think he's gonna be a, like a. A wild card, top the 40 eight, guy. He's in the 800, and he's in cross country. He's going to be the first yeah, person you know. ever to, to do that double. Didn't Lopez Lamont almost do that? Did Lopez oh, win you're right. the, in the cross? You're right. You're right. Yeah, because we were talking about this with Danny Jones, right? That was like a thing with the 800 and, and cross. Uh, but anyway, I was going to say, yeah, Fess is a guy. I think he – he might return. He might have eligibility. And if he does, watch out. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. I mean he was he was uh he was good on the uh he was good in outdoor, right? In twenty eighteen. Am I remembering that correctly or is that wrong? I think he was. I think he got third in the behind Hopple and and uh what's his name? Oh my gosh. Dixon. I keep on forgetting people. Dixon, yeah. I could be yeah. wrong, but he was good. Uh, yeah, Iowa State going from fourth to fifth. So, yeah. So, Lamong in 07, he was fifth at USA's in the 800. He won the 1500, and then that's the year he got third in cross later on that fall. So, uh, nobody's, nobody's, I don't, I mean, to my knowledge, nobody's done it until now when Fessus got. Well, he's got to <laughs> win both of them. He hasn't, he hasn't won either of them yet, but he's, he's going to win both of them gonna, in a year, year where there's no season. Well, hey, hey, this might help him because if only the if the competition is only people from the ACC and SEC, hey, this is your chance to shine. You don't have to go up against NAU and BYU. Yeah, uh, number four, Notre Dame, go. I love this. This pod has been like Gordon talk about all the work you've done 
Uh, yeah, Notre Dame, yeah. they finished eighth last year. Um, I do think uh, they underperformed based on what they finished. And I think they're still a young team. And I think uh, this is the year that they podium. And maybe even next year they could challenge to win. But that that's, that's assuming they have a good year this year. Uh, again, a good year this year and a year that isn't happening. Uh, year Nagus, like if I was them, like they like in a, in a regular year, like uh, imagine there's no pandemic. Great, great time. If they would decide to redshirt Nagus and then go all in one year later, they would have a really good team in 2021 because you have Nagus, you have Dylan Jacobs, who's a sophomore, Danny Kilray, who's a junior, and then you have like the freshman, Jake Renfrey, Josh Methner. Uh, that would be a really strong team, I think. Uh, but it's all based off of uh, Nagus. We have him improving drastically. I think he's going to be – he was like a 45th place finisher. I think he's a top 20 guy now. Um, and then you have these younger guys who they – were, they were bigger names in high school, uh, and they kind of kind of – Kind of hidden in the Notre Dame landscape, haven't really broken out at the NCA level yet. But Dylan Jacobs and Danny Kilray and Jake Renfrey, I think, are three guys who should be a good trio to be behind uh, Nagus to put, to be a podium team. Yeah, Methner didn't get a lot of you know a senior this year in in high school. Be a, would be a true freshman this fall. He a lot of the headlines went to Nico Young, and rightfully so. He was good, but. Methner won Foot Locker when Nico yeah. Young wasn't there. I mean, he's he's really good. He's got star potential, too. Number three, moving up, twenty-seven spots. The Arkansas Razorbacks. Yes. See, Arkansas is a team that the coaches were going to sleep on, and this would and this would piss me off because the coaches will probably rank Arkansas like twenty-sixth, right, in the preseason, not knowing that like you're ranking a top. Four team, twenty six, but they are good. They're so good they could win. I know NAU and BYU are the heavy favorites, but if they have a great day, they they I one hundred percent think they could win. And it, a majority of their team are going to be Kenyans. And if the meet is in Oklahoma State, it's not going to be that cold weather like Indiana chilly rain that a lot of times these East African athletes struggle in. They're going to be completely in their element. I mean, they're going to be training in Arkansas hot weather and then running their championship in Oklahoma. It's going to be fine for them. Now, if they do get their, their team a mulligan and all come back for next year, where we'll be in Tallahassee, that also is going to help Arkansas. Cause basically this is the time for Arkansas either this year or next year to, 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 um, to, to win, what's the, to, to win, to pounce when the fire's hot. <laughs> to right? win. So here's a team. So, uh, they they bring in Jacob McLeod from Belmont, um, who's now a junior Arkansas. Matt Young, who's now a senior, who ran thirteen forty nine. They bring in Andrew Cabet, who is a junior college transfer who won JUCOs two years ago, and then kind of transferred into more of a mid distance and has won everything at the mid distance level, at the JUCO level. You could argue Kabet is the second best. He is the second best. He's the second best Juco guy coming in behind Bangura. And 
he's going to be one of their top five guys. You have Gilbert Boyd, who redshirted last year, who's a 1344 guy. You have Emmanuel Chebbasun, who is a transfer from Louisville, who is a 1341 guy and you know was running well for Louisville, finishing the top teens at a bunch of meets uh, at, in, at the like – pre-Nats level and all that stuff, but because he was on a bad team and never went to NCAAs. And then you have Amoyne Kemboy, who is a transfer from Campbell, who we have as the second best runner in the NCAA. So you have Kemboy from Campbell, Chebosun from Louisville, Boyt, who is a redshirt returner, Kebet from junior college, Matt Young, who had a breakout track year this year in 2020, where he ran 1349. Then you have McLeod, the transfer from Belmont, those are six guys. Like, that's enough. Like, and then you Ryan Murphy, who's actually a solid guy, uh, who could be in their in their top seven. They're good. Again, they're all transfers, but they're good. I have them finishing scoring wise, two points, 25, 31, 35, 44. So I have their okay. two through four, two through five all kind of between the twenty-five and forty-five range. Okay. Balance attack there. Yeah. So how many – what's the gap from them to BYU and NAU right now? So I have them scoring 137 points. I have the second best team scoring 115. Oh, so not far behind at all. Yeah, not far 20 behind. 20-point margin. Okay. Yeah, but you see Arkansas, it, BYU, and NAU are a group. They're they're like big separation from Notre Dame, Iowa State, Portland, and all the other teams. Okay, that's, that's it's like a try meet. It's those three teams. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to the top two then. I think everybody knows where we're going with this. BYU two, NAU one. What I want to know is how did you separate those two? What was the deciding factor between putting the defending champs uh, number two? I mean, it's mainly uh, NAU's squad. Again, these rankings are all based off of limited data, right? Last year, the year before, and indoor. And NAU had such a good indoor season, it made a lot of their 2019 cross-country performances get scratched out and bumped up for their 2020 5K performances. Uh, just to – here, let me screenshot something. Give me two seconds. I can't see your screenshots, unfortunately. Sorry, Gordon. I know. Well, I'm doing it for myself. Okay. Okay. So, let me bring this up. Come on, come on. So, let's just do like a side-by-side -side comparison. So, let's start with their number one sticks. Obviously, BYU has Connor Mance. We have him winning. And then NAU has Luis Grijalva. So, you would argue advantage BYU, but it's a slight advantage, assuming Gorhalva can show up and run a fast race, right? That's a, Yes, that's important. It's important that he shows up, number yeah. one, and runs so, a fast race. Number two, there's two steps to that, yeah. So it's a double advantage for uh, BYU. And then yeah. in the second the second tier, which I have as Blaze Farrow, but you could argue as anybody. It could be Abdihamid Nur. One of Blaze, Abdihamid Nur, Nico Young, or Drew Bosley. One of those guys versus Casey Klinger. Now, Casey Klinger, he was good. I mean, he was a top 25 guy as a true freshman three years ago. Mm -hmm. I would still give advantage BYU there. 
I think Casey Klinger will be – I think they're – like I could see them putting their top two in front of NAU's one, maybe even. Yeah. So I would yeah. say heavy advantage BYU on the, the top two. Okay. And then this is and where NAU three. gets the – Yeah, this is where NAU gets the advantage. Three, four, five is – three, four, five, six, seven is advantage NAU. Right now, six seven doesn't really matter as much. It's more insurance, but three four five is heavy advantage. NAU. And the reason why is because BYU loses Heslington, right? And their next guys are Brandon Garnica, Clayson Shumway, who was a red shirt, and Matt Owens. I have them finishing points wise 33, 36, 38. Whereas for NAU's three four five, I have them finishing points wise 12. 15, 17. So that's a big difference. There's going to be some low scores at this meet. That yeah. is, those are some low scoring fourth runners. The The issue I have with this, and I know you can't, you don't want to just take one meet, but the issue I have with this is you, you, you look at the title team last year and you have Mance leading the way and he's back and he's, he's reliable and you think he's going to finish in the top five. You lose Hesslington and Carney, but you replace those runners with Shumway and Casey, Casey Klinger, which is not yep. much of a drop-off, if at all. In many ways, you could say it might be an upgrade. And then four and five are still there with Garnica and Owens. So there's really not yep. much changing in the top five. However, NAU doesn't really change anything in their Either. top five. Yeah, they lose... Jordy Beamish from this team, but you have Nico Young entering the fray, and you also just have you could use Ryan Raff in your top five, and he's an NCAA qualifier in the five thousand. So there's not much of a drop off. I I would if I was doing the rankings, and I'm not. I mean, you could almost argue pure toss up here. I know you like to do that. You like to say, "Oh, these two teams are tied," but you just do that for clicks. I would almost honestly do it here and say this thing is a complete toss-up, which is just yet another reason why I'm such so bummed out that this is not going to happen this season. But here's the thing. I like what you said, that they kind of are almost a replica of their teams from last year with Klinger and Shumway replacing Carney and Heslington and then Nico Young replacing Jordy Beamish. Right, so mm -hmm. there's not much uh, turnover, but here's the thing: if that's true, NAU going into that meet was heavy favorite. They were like true. one of the bigger favorites that we've ever had. Right now, they ended up losing, and BYU had a major upset. But like, yep. it was an upset. Like we can't forget that it was an upset, and if like typically. Upsets don't happen multiple times, right? Typically, not to say that BYU is a 16th seed, but typically the 16th seed in the NCAA tournament doesn't upset the 8th seed in the second round, right? They upset the 1 seed and then they're done, right? Or whatever. Oh, that's only happened once, but yes. <laughs> you know what I mean. But like, yeah. If they are the same teams of last year, wouldn't it make sense right. that the odds of an upset happening back-to-back -back years are a lot more rare than the than the favorite team to win this time around? Yeah, you're saying reversion to the mean. 
but I'm yeah. saying in cross country, in cross country, we have such a small sample size to go off of. Yes, NAU was the favorite, but does does that even really matter? You know, I, with track, I feel like there's more upsets because you you have PRs coming in, you have times coming in. NAU, um, in retrospect, probably should not have been as big of a favorite, but you're right because they had some big name guys uh, not perform well on that day. So yes, I see. I I understand. I see your argument. If you're running it back, the odds are going to balance out and NAU gets the dub because if you're just talking about pure like okay let's look at these their 5k potential and you're gonna have like Abdi Hamid Nur versus BYU's four and five well Abdi Hamid Nur is probably gonna be match up better or Drew Bosley or Nico Young just and just how talented those guys are um, but they turned it in on the day because look if BYU didn't if BYU just had an average day and they didn't win that would have meant that Garnica and Owens would have been, you know, well outside all American spot, right? They'd have been like a 60 or 70 or something like that. Correct. Yeah. So then we would be sitting here saying right now saying BYU's got a good three, but they got huge question marks at four and five. Instead we're saying, Oh no, they have now two proven guys in the four and the five slot because we saw them do it last year. And that makes all the difference in the world. And that's, that's persuasive to me. Maybe it's too persuasive. Maybe it's putting too much emphasis on on one race, but that's just the way I that's just the way I thought about it in my head. In this imaginary race, it's not happening. I think about a lot <laughs> of things in my head that aren't going to happen. Yes, I I caught myself again thinking about, oh yeah, who do you think is going to win this? And then I realized, oh, we're not going to see it. So, well, so here's the good thing, though. Here's the good thing, though. I mean, this is not good, but. 2020 terms, maybe it is good. Like these teams should pretty much stay the same for next year, right? Assuming that we don't, they don't do it in the spring and they do this in the fall. Like who's going to leave? I don't think anybody's going pro out of these groups. And then the, I mean, Grijalva, the and Grijalva is the only one that may leave. Yeah, I just, I don't. But he, I guess he could. Time. He's a he's a true senior, so I guess he would be coming back. Uh, Blaze Farrow would be he's a he's a fifth year, so Farrow's a fifth year, so okay. he's he could potentially leave. But if Farrow leaves, I mean, whatever. Ryan Raff, Brody Hasty, they're Theo Quack, Quacks, they're they're fine. Uh, yeah, it's not instru- BYU, it's not instrumental yeah. to the matchup. Like the key play, the key players aren't gonna like Klinger's only gonna be better with another year. Nico Young is probably only gonna be better. With another year, if anything, this thing gets better because we're waiting. I mean, yeah, it's good. It's looking good now, so I would definitely take it now because there's nothing guaranteed and people could get hurt. But right now, this just this just is such a compelling matchup, and and now it is a rivalry. They did get a victory over NAU, so it just says it's it's hitting its peak, it's hitting its apex right now. So it sucks we have to wait a year, but I think all the big players will be there next year. Yeah, but you know, like you said when you talked about NC State for this pod, Nico Young watching Nico Young run next year won't feel the same as watching him run this year. Right? Yeah, but see, yeah, but for NC State, that's different because that was like the storyline of like the Fab Five freshmen. Like, how are they going to do? Nico Young is just one person in this, and I'm sure BYU yeah. has some stud freshmen too that they're going to have, you know, potentially trying to get in their top seven. He can be a year later, and the matchup is still interesting. This is this 
this isn't about people. Like this isn't about individual people. It's about two programs the way I see it. And right now the programs are so evenly matched that it's, that it's going to make it very fun. Um, and someone like Grijalva, I mean, how do you, how do you get more motivated than Grijalva probably is right now? Yeah. I mean, especially when he was trying to like redeem himself and then COVID just like said, Nope, yeah. not today, son. You can't redeem yourself yeah. yet. He's going to have to yeah. keep, keep waiting. I mean, no, he was itching yeah. to race. Like right after Mika called, we were down there doing interviews and stuff. He's like, let's get a race. Let's go. Let's do it. Like he wanted to do right then. And then, yeah. yeah. And then they, they, they channeled some of that to that, uh, mile in the dome, which you said converted to something like a, a three forty-five mile, I believe is what the story is now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it gets faster, it gets faster every, every year. Yeah. So uh, like we did – Oh, what? No, you were going to no. do your, your hypothetical meet now, taking out the, the yeah. conferences that aren't competing, correct? Go ahead. Yeah. So if we take out the conferences not competing, uh, this uh, fake championship that we might get, you have number three, Arkansas, four, Notre Dame, five, Iowa State, seven, Tulsa, 13, Syracuse, 14, NC State, 17, Ole Miss, 20, OK State – 23 and 24, Texas and Alabama. So who wins? I mean, obviously, Arkansas, Notre Dame, and Iowa State are the cream of the crop. Do you think it ends in that order? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you sold me on Arkansas for sure, and the fact that there is that gap between them and that next tier, I think, is is notable. So I would, I would roll with Arkansas. Notre Dame, though, very, very intriguing. Um. Tulsa, obviously, the balance you got to like, especially if they have as many people back as you think would be back. But Arkansas, I think Arkansas would uh, would do well in both the men's and women's minus the remaining big three champ, whatever we would call this. I mean, you called it something yesterday with Lincoln, and he made a joke about it. I don't remember what it was. But. Yeah, I mean, if we're being, like, when we take out all the non-SEC, Big 12, and ACC schools – on the men's side, you still get three up from the top five and four from the top seven. Whereas yep. on the women's side, you only get one from the top five and it's NC State, right? So, like, the men's race in this situation would be a little more, would be entertaining to watch. An Arkansas, Notre Dame, Iowa State battle would be more entertaining to watch than uh, NC State. And then, like, weekend Arkansas women's team and, like, a Florida State team, right? Because women, yeah. you really want to see a Stanford, New Mexico, a Colorado, a Michigan, Michigan State, BYU. So, uh, yeah. at least if we do get this fake meet in November, uh, the men's team battle will be something interesting to watch. Well, I think the – I think if they post – I mean, when they do it next fall, knock on wood – I think Arkansas is going to be in good shape too because it's probably nice to have an extra year to get them situated within the program because you're saying how many of their guys are coming in uh, as transfers from other schools. I think advantage them. It would be very on brand for cross country if we're talking NAU, BYU, and then Arkansas goes and scores 70 points. It just, just destroys <laughs> everybody. I know. I mean, I'm sure that's what they're thinking now, down there in Fayetteville. Like they, I think he knows that he has a good team. Like mm -hmm. they, I've been texting the coach the past few months when they got transfer after transfer after transfer. And I was like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, because yeah. he was Am talking about they, they redshirted Gilbert boy on per on purpose last year. Right. And I remember mm -hmm. talking to the coach and 
he didn't want to tell people he was redshirting his best guy because he thought it might look bad. Like he didn't want he wanted to wait to the end of like, all right, yeah, I'm not doing it. But like, he was like, hey, I could redshirt him, and we can be really good next year, or I could not redshirt him, and we can just be like, hey, we're we're mm-hmm. 16th this year, right? And then 16th mm-hmm. next year. Or he's like, no, why not go 30th this year and then potentially be a top four next year? Yeah. It looks like that's working because they got the new transfers as well. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll leave it there. Let us know your thoughts. Podcast at gmail.com. Lincoln and I will be back tomorrow to do the last set of rankings, the women's team rankings. Gordon already gave some of them away. But he made them, so he's allowed to do that. Maybe here, not to change the subject, but maybe we should save the women's team rankings for Monday, because oh, you guys wow. want to preview. You guys can preview the Sunset Tour tomorrow, and then I could help I just, with the women's team I, rankings because I did them. Wow, helicopter podcaster here, Gordon Mack, just hovering over, wanting to make. Well, sure it just that makes sense is... for me. I should probably, I should probably be wow. involved in the ranking reveal I, because I know like the rosters, like. You don't think Lincoln's I know the gonna be like, oh, yeah. Lincoln's going to be like, ooh, Walt Drenth, great coach. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, like, he's gonna I don't say, know. He's gonna, he's Michigan State does not have anybody back from their title team of 2014. <laughs> Let's check yeah. the record. Uh, okay, you so you're doubting I mean? Lincoln in this. Okay. Okay, that's fine. I mean, you made me go back on my word because I said it several times that we're doing the women's uh, team right. rankings tomorrow. So, okay, we are no longer in the women's team rankings tomorrow. We have to wait. You have to wait, everybody. You have to wait till wait Monday because Gordon – needs to be there all right thanks a lot for producing yeah, Gordon needs to be there for the ranking that he created yeah uh actually no, monday's kind of hold on but monday's kind of weird have you checked your email no okay well we can talk get... off pod it'll be What's a mystery podcast oh tomorrow. yeah oh yeah yeah i did see so that. we got to factor that in so tune in tomorrow you'll find out what we talk about because there's a lot going on anyway thanks a yeah. lot for producing we'll talk to you guys later